This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. I am here with a co-host. His name is Connor Orr. He is of the Weak Side Podcast, which you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. But uh, we'll get that plug-in right up top this week because it's the show is that good. It deserves it. It's it's it, it's going to be the best show ever. Well, we're we're gonna have like trade deadline stuff too, which will be fun, and and we can we can we can dabble in that in this show. But there's probably gonna be more moves once we stop recording because we don't record live. The second that we pause um, and then go our separate ways, Will Fuller, JJ Watt, and the rest of the Houston Texans <laughs> will be traded to Miami for the remainder of their draft picks. So. <laughs> wow, Mahomes to the Bears! Didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's all right. Well, we. Uh, go, go ahead, Connor. It'll be very much like Draft Day, um, which is the best movie of all time. <laughs> and uh, there's a Kevin Costner out there waiting to get all his picks back. I agree that Draft Day uh, was a movie. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> we're going to run through the Sunday action from Week 8 here. And uh, I want to start with Steelers-Ravens here. Uh, and, and look, 
Uh, you know, we won't overplay this. Uh, this was not like a must win for the Ravens. Uh, you know, must win for the Ravens doesn't come till January. But uh, I was really curious to see how Lamar would perform against the Steelers offense. One, because, you know, that, that, that passing game is still getting ironed out here in 2020. But if you go back to last year, Lamar's worst game, probably of his career so far, was in Pittsburgh. Uh, they won that game in overtime because Mason Rudolph was the, the quarterback on the other side. And then a, then a little bit of Duck Hodges late. But uh, Lamar was really, really bad in that game. And uh, he was he was quite bad in this game. Uh, and, and he made some plays with his legs, and he brought them back late and, and certainly get credit for that. But uh, all I can say was, I mean, some of these throws, I mean, it, 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 was, it was positively just Nathan Peterman-esque out there. And uh, you just kind of wonder, uh, is this a case of sliding back a little bit? Or is this a case of, of a Steelers defense that really just... I don't know, just messes with your head if you're a quarterback. I think it's the latter, totally. And I, I'll, I'll say two things. The one is that I think that this year especially, I think we're rethinking what a good stat line is for a quarterback. I mean, it's just, you know, that traditional like 25 of 35 for 369 and three touchdowns, it doesn't really exist as much anymore kind of given the way that some offenses are being put together and you know Lamar did do some things well like he hit deep middle um, on both of his passes um, passing attempts there and that throw to Willie Sneed to set up that first touchdown is just him in a nutshell like his awareness his presence is still uh, elite level and that sidearm throw is just beautiful but yeah I mean the first pick six was evidence of exactly what Pittsburgh does they mess with your count right you you're used to taking inventory before the snap and knowing where everybody is, but they're shifting guys, they're moving guys, they're putting people in places that they're not supposed to be. And um, that pick six, too, uh, really made me think about if you watch the sidelines after that um, touchdown, every the entire sideline erupts, but in a way that, you know, they knew it was coming, that they had prepared exactly for that play and that they put yeah. the guy in the right spot. There's a difference between like a surprise and we knew this was coming and we had it ready. And I just think that we're dealing with the best defense in the league. And so any any sort of dips in 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 numbers or in in performance I think have to be attributed to the fact that like this team is just nasty on defense. The one, uh, the one that stuck in my craw, as the kids say, was a uh, the the interception at the beginning of the second half that set up a short field for the Steelers. There, it was one problematic because it's just game situation. You can't put the ball in danger there. First down, your defense is dominating. You're up ten. Uh, there's just no need to take any sort of risk there. But two, it was. It was really, really similar to an interception he threw in Pittsburgh last year. That that same sort of uh, uh you know the the, uh, uh, the out and then the guy in the flat and you know the flat defender ends up ends up just dropping back because they all got their eyes on the quarterback. Uh, this time it was uh it was the rookie Alex Highsmith instead of Mike Hilton last year, but it was uh it, it, we're kind of doing the the uh you know the 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 angel on the shoulder devil on the shoulder type thing where uh I will I will be the devil and just be like Lamar sucks cut him bring back <laughs> Flacco you can get him for the trade deadline but uh it was it was disappointing um 
game situation there. It, it was just disappointing to see that sort of mistake uh, in this game, which again, not must win, but it's it's one you really want to have. It was a bad pick, and I think that one of the interesting things that Lamar is figuring out, and this sort of bundles in with my other Lamar point, if you go back to the pick six as well, is he's learning that he's exceptional, but that there are you know, limits to that, right? So uh, even on the pick six, he saw the defender there, but he's so used to being good enough to look guys off that he threw the ball anyway, assuming that the guy would move because he knows how to look people off, but he didn't. He followed Jackson's eyes to the pick. And this other one, you know, the floater pass that we've seen to the sideline that he's made a thousand times, you know, that's just that's built in. I mean, when you hit that with such regularity, you're just not afraid of throwing it anymore. And it seems like Pittsburgh had done a good job of like identifying the high risk throws and then pouncing on the ones where they knew that he was more likely to to make a mistake or maybe leave it a little short. Yeah, the uh, the Ravens defense was in control of this one in the first half. Uh, look, the Steelers kind of hung around and they they figured it out over the last 20 minutes. They had two long touchdown drives over the last 20 minutes, including obviously the game winner once the Ravens had retaken the lead. So, uh, I mean, look, this was... I said last week the Steelers were were much more dominant than the final score would indicate. This week it was a similar final score. Uh, they were they were outplayed in this one. I mean, I, I don't think there's there's any way of really uh, you know saying it differently at this point. But uh, they hung around and they made enough plays in the end. And look, Minka Fitzpatrick absolutely plays that ball perfectly at the end of the game uh, with that pass breakup in the end zone to seal it. They get the stop on fourth and three. Uh, on the previous drive for the Ravens, it was just really good situational football from a team that is seven and zero for a reason. Seven and zero, and if you listen to the Weekside podcast, I told you this three weeks ago that they're going to be seven and zero. So very exciting time for me right now. Pick, so pick the Steelers it, to go thirteen and three in our preseason poll. So n- this should surprise no one. Then exactly. kind of like we just talked about with the Steelers pick six, no one's surprised by it, <laughs> but you still want to celebrate it. Exactly. Uh, and they did, uh, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get all the trades here because, uh, again, you're not listening to a live recording, but, uh, uh, Avery Williamson goes to the Steelers, uh, makes, makes plenty of sense. Obviously he's, uh, not gonna do a whole lot with the Jets going from, uh, here on in. He goes from 0 and 8, 0 and 8, 8 for the Jets now. Yes. 0 and something to something and 0, 0 and 8 to 7 and 0. So that's a nice thing for him. And, you know, I actually thought a sneaky good job by Joe Douglas there to get a fifth rounder, you know, uh, because he is understanding uh, something that I think a lot of GMs will come to understand and that you pay a premium to have the pick in the immediate future. But if you wait two years, you know, or you wait a year, you're going to end up getting a way better uh, price for that. So he gets rid of a 28-year-old he wasn't going to re-sign anyway. And the Steelers get a guy that I think will do what they need him to do, which is stop any next level kind of rushing attempts if they get caught in a, in a blitz or something like that that screws them over. But, you know, he's a sound tackler, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, he's not going to cover anybody, hopefully. Um, but, you know, he's he'll stop the run. No, that is his game. And and look, they took him off the field in, in passing situations when he was in Tennessee. They did not for the Jets because the Jets just don't have the bodies to actually fill in in that uh, in that role, but uh, Williamson, a good uh, good run defender here, makes plenty of sense with Devin Bush out, and uh, yeah, 
but just a just a sensible addition here for the for the for the Steelers. It's the equivalent of the of the live laugh love uh, sign at TJ Maxx. <laughs> like it's it's going to be. It's not great. It's not expensive, but it's an immediate improvement to the home. <laughs> Might as well. All right, let's uh, let's go with a Sunday nighter here. Uh, this game was. Look, I was I was entertained. Danuch. I'm not going to say it was good football, but it was entertaining football. Uh, let's well, let's start with Danuch. Uh, I mean, look, third string quarterback in there for Dallas. Uh, James Madison uh, finally gets one of their quarterbacks in the NFL here. It was wacky early on. They ran a true double reverse. People often uh, incorrectly term a single reverse a double reverse. That was a true double reverse on that first drive. And, uh, you know, I don't know. He got, I guess, increasingly comfortable as the game went on. I I don't think it was good. Uh, I I think he's going to head back to the bench once Andy Dalton is back, and maybe we we see him at some point. I would have liked to maybe see a little more read option stuff. I mean, they they were talking about how good he is with his legs. You didn't really see a whole lot of that in this game, but I I mean, I don't know. I I don't even know what my point is with with this guy. He was a third-string quarterback, and uh, they did some wacky stuff. He did make some nice throws, though. I mean, there were some points, like, throughout the game where I was like, you know, this might actually work out. I mean, when they were ahead 9-7, I was like, I don't know, you have Ezekiel Elliott, and he could probably just hit a few third-down conversions. They might actually hold on to win this game. I was... I was so ready to fall in love with Ben DiNucci. Like, everything about it just worked for me. Like, if you watched him come into the huddle before his first snap, he just starts pounding himself in the head. Like, just like this just like this amazing, like, third-stringer guy that just, like, walks onto the, you know, walks onto the field from the middle of nowhere and uh, and, and comes in and makes it happen. But, yeah, you know, un- unfortunately, it, uh, it didn't work out that way, and we're probably going to get Andy Dalton for the rest of the season. So, womp womp. This uh, this Eagles offense, though, in this game, and, and I know everyone was waiting for the Cowboys to give up uh, 100 points to the Eagles and, and all that stuff, and uh, I always make the, I mean, look, it's, it's division rivals. It's a team they see all the time. I didn't think the Cowboys were going to get torched defensively in this game, as bad as their defense has been this year. Uh, however, the Eagles... This felt like watching, like I don't know, like it, like like an install session or something like that. Like it, it just felt like they just went out there and were like, eh, let's you know, let's try this stuff. They're not going to score points anyway. Let's uh, um, let's let's work out some of the kinks during a live game here in primetime football. And Sunday night, that's what Sunday night football is for. It's for uh, making mistakes. It, it, they are so obviously what they are, which is a team in transition and. The problem is when you're going from what you were during Carson Wentz's early years to where you want to go, you have to commit fully over the course of a, of a long offseason, but they didn't have a long offseason, and then everybody got injured, and so you have what you have now, which is sort of this scattershot um, collection of ideas uh, between your past and your future, which is, you know, sounds sounds very scary, but is really just, uh, it's a disjointed product, and Wentz continues to throw these like bizarre deep interceptions uh you know it and i i don't know if it's almost like um like tom brady used to do when he was mad at bill belichick for not giving him any weapons and just being like <laughs> watch how bad these guys are when i throw this up in the air but everybody knows that your best receiver is fulgum and and that's it and i don't know why he keeps doing this but i i was almost approached this game a lot differently than you were. I was like, okay, you get Jason Peters back. Um, you know, you get Jalen Rieger back. Uh, you get Dallas Goddard back. They're going to roll um, in this one. And they really just, there's just no fluidity or, or anything to this offense. 
It's, uh, I was actually down with the fact that, you know, he was trying those Russell Wilson uh, high-arcing deep balls. I think more quarterbacks should do that, and certainly the guys who have the, the you know, the, the requisite arm strength should be doing that. Uh, maybe it was just the wrong night to roll that out. It was it was windy there. I, I don't want to be uh, Carson Wentz's number one apologist, although I already am Carson Wentz's number one apologist in the world. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. The, the You like to think the like the dumb mistakes, that first fumble where he's like rolling out and he just, you know, holds it up like it's a Statue of Liberty play and then uh, ends up getting uh, the strip sack fumble there. You like to think that that stuff is like, oh, yeah, you know, that stuff gets cleaned up, but it it, it hasn't. I mean, it's it's week eight now and it's, it's still happening on a fairly regular basis. I can't wait for them to figure it out at the last minute and win like two games in the playoffs. <laughs> It's going to be the you greatest thing gotta, ever. You just got to figure it out by January. I mean, it is. That's the thing. It's the same franchise that had Nick Foles going out there a couple of Januarys ago, and it was like, it, I mean, you remember that Week Seventeen game, and then the the opening playoff game for Foles, and it was like, oh boy, this this isn't going to work at all. This guy can't play. And then all of a sudden, they go and drop forty five points on the Vikings, and it's like, oh, all right, didn't see that coming. It's another repeat, man. I can't believe uh, the Eagles are going to win another Super Bowl. Guaranteed absolutely guaranteed at this point let's uh well oh let's let's go to nick Foles here let's go saints bears uh this was uh we'll start on the saints offense side of the ball i i I think there is something to be said uh for the fact that they have figured out a way to win games back-to-back weeks without their two starting receivers uh obviously alvin kamara is a, a a tremendous talent here but it's a it's an undermanned offense right now, and at some point they're going to get Michael Thomas and uh, and Emmanuel Sanders back, and uh, to be able to sort of you know put together this four game winning streak mostly without those guys is something to be something to be applauded. And it's stunning right now, right? The state of the wide receiver. Um, I, I think that most coaches have realized, and this is why you're seeing Bruce Arians kind of like twist himself into a moral pretzel or the Ravens sign Des Bryant to their practice squad. Like there is no help out there available. Um, maybe you can pry, somebody can pry Will Fuller away from the Texans, maybe, possibly, potentially. Um, but AJ Green looks completely um, devoid of emotion. Um, or uh, eagerness to play, and there just doesn't seem to be that that obvious fix on the way. Um, and in the interim, the Saints' def- uh, offense becomes hyper practical, but also just like super vulnerable, you know. And just it, it, I, I, you're just not used to seeing them look like this. It's it's very pedestrian. Yeah, it's uh, again kind of kind of like the Eagles, just not to the same extent. It's just a team that's sort of finding its way right now, and we thought they had figured this whole thing out last summer. Uh, the Bears' offense. I mean, look, I think this was reasonably the most you could expect out of this Bears' offense. They put up ten points in the in the final minutes here, and uh, you know that's that's. 23 points. That's the maximum. That is the maximum the Bears can score in a game this year. <laughs> they had a big-time field goal from Cairo Santos. I mean, the you kicking know, game worked. The kicking yeah. game was on. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm liking this Bears team just a little bit more. Um, you know, earlier in the season, uh, two or three weeks ago, I wrote, uh, broke down all their fourth quarters, and they've been incredibly lucky to this point. Like, so many missed picks or tipped balls or, like, you know, weird little things that have gone on their way but you know sometimes the season is just like that for a team and I think Chicago is just sort of rolling with it but um 
Uh, Matt Nagy is back to being a good play caller. I think that the quarterback does have something to do with that, but it'll be interesting. I mean, they they tried Mitch Trubisky. They walked him on for a little read option look there, um, which they might be uh, trying to expand at some point in the near future. But I don't know. I mean, maybe the Bears sink back to earth. I mean, it, it, it feels like an eight and eight. Nine and seven team to me, but maybe not. Uh, you know, I think that this was a game they needed to have, though, and they and they kind of just let it slip away. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess we can't move on without uh, touching on this this Javon Wims. Oh my god, uh, brawl! This was it was wild, and and look, I I it's still getting sorted out, and you know the latest as we start to tape here is Wims has has said that uh, C J Garner Johnson spit in his face, and and we we don't know exactly what. Uh, spark this. I will say, I, w- I want to give credit to this guy, uh, Evan Sachs, that's S-A-A-C-K-S on Twitter, who's the only guy who I've seen who who uh, discovered the fact that Gardner Johnson ripped off Wims's mouthpiece, like his helmet-attached mouthpiece. And when I saw Wims start that fight where he runs up to Gardner Johnson from behind and I thought he was like doing doing like an improv class where he was like you know snatching his chain like Kaleem <laughs> on Crabtree style and, and that was some sort of like symbolic start to a fight uh but obviously the fact that you know Wims throws two punches uh on, again at, at a helmet which probably didn't hurt a whole lot and Garner Johnson just stood there confused or amused I don't know what it was but uh it was it was bizarre i'm gonna defend him if only for the fact that he taps him on the shoulder and then you know there it wasn't a sucker punch you know he 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 alerted him to the fact that hey i'm i'm gonna punch you in the face now um it didn't work and then he you know it's that moment where you realize like i'm all in now like there's nothing you know and and i gotta do it again and he did it again and you know what i give him credit for that you could have you could have done something cheap or dirty over the course of a play that would have really hurt somebody, but um, you made your point, and, and, and you know everybody's making fun of you. But I think you know uh, you did it. You did it in a stand-up way. You know, it was it was the reaction. It was the Gardner Johnson just complete lack of I reaction. Know. He was that, God, uh, He just had his number. That, you know, that's God. That's what has to hurt the most if you're Jamon Wims. The fact that you couldn't even. Uh, you know, just just draw acknowledgement that you are punching this guy in the face. I had a f- but, um, I had a friend in high school um who was a really hard puncher. Like, did you notice notice that in high school? Like, some kids were your size and weight and everything, but just could punch really hard. And yeah, you know, and I I never understood that. And so, um, you know, we would punch each other in the arm and while we were waiting for class to start or whatever. And I was just like, hey, could you just give me an honest assessment of this? And and I wound up and I punched him in the arm as as hard as I could. And he's like, I I felt nothing. Like, and I was like, wow, like I just don't have it. Um, and some people just don't have it. But it's good to get that evaluated at an early stage in your life before you pull it out. Um, at a time of emergency, you know, you need you need to know how strong it is before you use it. Before before you're punching a helmet helmeted man <laughs> and just knowing that it's going to have no impact. My my own my my true criticism of whims and this this actually is an honest criticism. Do it after a failed third down and long conversion. Like he did it after a five yard gain on first and ten. So so instead of second and five, you're second and twenty. And you know I don't draw the line directly to this is why Nick Foles threw an interception. Uh, but, you know, that's that's 
that's you can't give away 15 yards after uh after a five yard gain on first down that was a bad job bad job there all right connor it's time for you to take a quick break because this is time for the si fantasy segment presented by DraftKings. every monday we have michael fabiano of si.com slash fantasy and the si fantasy podcast we only have them on monday but you can get them all week on that podcast i'm just saying but uh uh fabs we're 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 into the we're into the dog days a little bit right now uh everyone's sort of scraping the waiver wire seeing what they can find here uh replace injuries replace bye weeks uh let's uh let's do it and let's uh let's start with the running backs yeah let's do that because quarterback is ugly right now <laughs> when you're talking it about is. the waiver wire so Zach Moss is going to be a top pick. He was a very good sort of play this uh, this past week against the Patriots. And when you look at the numbers, you know, 14 touches, he had over 20 fantasy points, played three more snaps than Devin Singletary. So maybe Moss is starting to make that a 50-50 split. I don't know that it'll ever be one guy getting 70-30, but Moss was the better back. Uh, Gus Edwards for the Ravens with Mark Ingram status still in question. Uh, 16 carries, 87 yards. He finished with only 26 snaps. J.K. Dobbins, who you should also pick up if he's out there, had 55. He had 16 touches. This is a 50-50 split as well in Baltimore, although Dobbins, I feel like, has the higher ceiling. Uh, D.J. Dallas had a very good game from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Efficiency-wise, he was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. 23 touches, 58 yards. That's not very good. But the 23 points, nearly 23 points, fantasy fans will take that. And we're still not sure what's going on with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. Uh, Jamichael Hasty had 13 touches and a touchdown for the Niners. Tevin Coleman got hurt again. Jarek McKinnon was the better fantasy back, but he's owned across the board. I don't know what's going on with the Niners right now in that backfield, but they have a short week. They've got the Packers this week, so it could be McKinnon and Hasty uh, splitting the workload on uh, TNF against Green Bay. Damian Harris had a very good game, 16 touches, uh, over 100 yards rushing, over 16 fantasy points. He only played 20 snaps, which was third in that backfield, but he made the most of them. And if the Patriots are going to be even, you know, close to being competitive, they've got to run the ball. And Harris is going to be the guy who will, who will be the new, you know, Sony Michelle, I guess, until Michelle comes back, if he comes back. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines in a backfield that has now become one of the more confusing in the league because we all yeah. love Jonathan Taylor. We thought he was going to be the guy, right? And then Jordan Wilkins has 21 touches, 20 carries, over 100 yards rushing, over 20 fantasy points, led the Colts in snaps and touches, and nobody saw that coming. And it looks like it's going to be a hot hand situation there, Naheem Hines. I I don't feel like he's done anything since like week one, but of course in this game he goes off, has a couple of touchdowns, and uh, Jonathan Taylor does nothing. Uh, Some other running backs, Phillip Lindsay might be floating around out there, maybe in some leagues, just check. Uh, Brian Hill looked better than Todd Gurley uh, on Thursday night, and Mm -hmm. at worst he should be a handcuff. And then Cam Akers, the Rams have a bye. Uh, Daryl Henderson got hurt against Miami. So maybe Henderson's going to have enough time to be fine uh, for week 10. I'm not sure. But Akers did come in and uh, and look pretty good. So I, I would say that Akers is going to be worth a look in, in deeper leagues if you can hold on to that roster spot because the Rams are off this week. All right. How about, uh, how about the receivers here? Yeah, so Curtis Samuel, uh, I mean, he was better than Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore combined. I mean, look at the numbers, right? Didn't have a lot of volume, but he has been getting into the end zone lately. Uh, had two touchdowns against Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. He has scored 17-plus points in two straight games. He's got the Chiefs coming up. Mike Williams. Justin Herbert has resurrected everybody in L.A. except for Hunter Henry for some reason. But Mike Williams had a very strong game. Uh, he is available in a lot of leagues. So is Corey Davis. 
Uh, 10 targets, 8 catches, over 120 yards and a touchdown against Cincinnati. He scored 15-plus points in three of his five games this season. Uh, he's got the Bears coming up. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, we're not sure what the status of Kenny Galladay is. That one broke my uh, back in a few leagues. I'm sure some other folks as well were hurt by Galladay not giving you a single point. Uh, but Marvin Jones could be floating out there. Marvin Hall also may be worth a look in deeper leagues. Jacoby Myers, the law firm, I guess. Or was that Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis? Anyways, uh, <laughs> Jacoby Myers, 10 targets, 6 catches, uh, over 13 fantasy points. And he was second among Patriots wide receivers in snaps by one, tied for the most routes run. Julian Edelman's out. Akil Harry's been hurt. So uh, desperation, but they've got the Jets, and, you know, the Jets stink. Uh, other wide receivers, Nicole Hardman, Anthony Miller, Braxton Berrios, Randall Cobb, uh, Zach Pascal, and Marcus Johnson also both with a look with T.Y. Hilton injured uh, this past week. And Hilton's really done nothing regardless. All right, tight ends. Uh, it, it's it's a little it's a little thin. Um, uh, by a little, I mean a lot. So Trey Burton, you, you could go out and get him. He's, he's getting more targets in the Colts offense re- recently. Logan Thomas is still floating out there. He's had a couple of good games in the road, then Washington went on a bye, so people didn't pick him up. But he's out there. He's got, uh, you know, He's he's obviously being used in the red zone, so that's a good thing. And Robert Tunyon was dropping some leagues. You could pick him back up. And then Eric Ebron, like he's not my favorite dude in the world. And unless he scores a touchdown, his numbers aren't going to be like eye-popping. But he's getting enough volume. I mean, he's getting four or five targets a week uh, minimum. So uh, he's worth a look. And they play the Cowboys coming up. So that one there is a uh, is a good matchup for obvious reasons. All right. Quarterbacks and look, this is uh, I, I I don't want to bore everyone with my with my fantasy uh, exploits here, but uh, I had to play the quarterback streamer game in week eight because Kyler's okay. my quarterback, and it was excruciating. It was it was down to Darnold, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Nick Foles, and I ended up landing on Locke, and I'm very oh, fortunate that nice. I did that one because he looked, uh, he didn't do anything first time you're thinking. Here we go. And Locke was, is one of the guys I'd pick up. You know who they got next yep. next week? They got Atlanta. There you go. So so kudos to you, my friend. Um, Phillip Rivers has had two good games in a row. He's got the Ravens. Uh, mm. Derek Carr's been he's, – he's been good more often than he's been bad. And I would blame the weather in Cleveland. He's got the Chargers coming up, right? Nick Mullins on a Thursday night against the Packers because Jimmy G got hurt. I'm not saying that he's a, he's a redraft, traditional redraft play, but in two QB leagues. And then – Who's the quarterback in Jacksonville? Is it is it uh, Mike Lennon or Jake? Is it Luton? I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. I think it's Luton, but it's not going to be Gardner Minshew. And, and again, desperation. Hey, I'm not going to just give you the obvious plays out there. They've got the Texans. Maybe that'll be a high-scoring game. I mean, you never know. So whoever gets the call for the Jaguars could be worth a look in two QB and super flex leagues, not in your traditional redrafts. So this is where we're at right now. We This, this year, I'll tell you something right now. This year has been – it's, it's been a challenge due to COVID and the injuries. And everything. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, every week, somebody new gets hurt. Like every, and it's the big-name guys, too. Right now, Kittle's hurt. Um, but some of these matchups, man, with these, with, with these quarterbacks and running backs, it has been brutal, especially the running backs, because there are situations where, like, one week, like, like with the Chargers, one week it was Justin Jackson. The following week it was Joshua Kelly. Then yesterday it was Justin Jackson. Maybe next week it will be Chuck Muncie. I have no idea. But it's been, it's been tough. Uh, for those of you who don't know Chuck Muncy, uh, go look him up on uh, Google. He was a damn good <laughs> running back for the San Diego Chargers back in the day. And he used to wear, you know, the the, the cool goggles too. Oh yeah, 
Oh, I can't go wrong with the goggles. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i just going to say, uh, anyone who's listened to the show for a couple years knows how I feel about Jordan Wilkins. Even I gave up on Jordan Wilkins like a year ago. And I'm just it's like, it's, ne- it's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, here he is. And he looked good. It's like, it's like, geez, the wheeze. I mean, and, and nobody saw that coming. I had him mm-hmm. ranked like, I had him ranked like in the 50s at running back. I had Naeem Hines in the 30s. Like he was a flex at, at best. And Jordan, and Jonathan Taylor was in my top eight. Nice, nice job, Fabiano. <laughs> Everything, was, everything's uh, a yeah. committee. Everything's a committee now. And, and then in Denver now too, Melvin Gordon looked crappy. If it wasn't for the fact they had seven targets, I mean, he would have completely just killed yeah. you. And and by the way, the revenge game narrative this week. What the heck happened? So, Lev Bell did nothing. Neither did Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But Lev Bell did nothing, and it was all set up because the Jets were getting boat raced in the second half. Uh, Jimmy Graham did nothing even though he was playing against his old team. And Melvin Gordon did nothing against his old team. Maybe we have to retire the revenge game narrative. I don't know. Yeah. It's fun yeah. to talk about, but nobody did anything this week. I guess it's just one week, but it was a weird week, man. They're all weird weeks at this point. When when Deshaun Hamilton is the leading wide receiver for the Broncos, you know it's a freaking weird <laughs> week, man. It's You got to work from the bottom up. You just you just got to scratch a lot of tickets to the bottom of uh, the weekly rankings and and see see who pops up here. Yeah. All right, it. Fabs. Always a pleasure. Uh, like I always say, he's only here on Mondays, but he's on the SI Fantasy Podcast all week. SI.com slash fantasy all week. Uh, we always appreciate the wisdom. All right, my brother. Have a good one. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. All right, Connor, welcome back. I hope you're rested and, and ready to complete the rest of Week 8's Sunday slate right now. I took a two-and-a-half-hour nap. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, let's go AFC East here. Uh, Bill's Patriots, so we had up in Orchard Park, you know, a, a lot of these games we're going to touch on had uh, had weather factors. Uh, this one, you know, it, it, whatever, pretty, pretty November Buffalo day. Uh, you know, had some wind, had some uh, overcast skies, that sort of thing, so... Uh, you know, maybe that sort of muted the passing games or maybe both passing games to different extents are, are sort of, uh, you know, sliding back a little bit. But uh, both running games kind of did what they wanted in this game. Yeah, running games are really strong. Uh, and, you know, it's just so weird to see New England falter in these situations like if inclement weather a running game situation you know that always has favored Belichick and and the complimentary style of defense they play there and it's just it I mean 2020 never ceases to amaze me and we're recording this a day before it probably will amaze us in in other ways but um you know it, it that was a real shocker to me it's just like that's not a game Bill Belichick loses very often yeah, and look, they uh, the Bills kept on putting them in situations where it's like, oh, uh, Bills got a touchdown here. Patriots, they, they're not going to be able to rally at this point. And then Patriots sort of, you know, run the ball down their throats and and take it the other way. And obviously, so, it, you know, it's a three-point win for the Bills here. The Patriots are in field goal position toward the end of the game, and they might be going into the end zone at that point. And, uh, you know, Justin Zimmer, of all people, the the former Montreal Alouette, uh, ends up being the guy who knocks it out of Cam Newton's hands and, and forces the fumble that sort of saves uh, the Bills in this one from what uh, it really, it would have been an upset. I mean, you know, Cam, obviously, you know, they still have a run game there in New England, but they just have no semblance of a passing game, and especially with no Julian Edelman, no Nikhil Harry in this one, no Stephon Gilmore on the other side of the ball. Uh, I mean, this was, <laughs> you know, I, I know the Bills don't beat the Patriots very often. This is the first time Sean McDermott has a, has a win over Bill Belichick here, but uh, this was one that the Bills kind of kind of had to have yeah i needed to have it to stop the slide but at the same time you know patriots are making uncharacteristic mistakes i mean cam newton had the ball in the wrong hand you know he's carrying the ball uh you know you always carry the uh, ball to the sideline he had the ball in the inside hand that's how you get a ball stripped like that in a situation like that but just a, a continuation of just bad tackling just I, I don't know everything just so uncharacteristically patriots but uh yeah i mean the it's a good one for the bills because the dolphins are mounting a little bit of a run here I think um, that we're that we're gonna see in the next few weeks so they need all the cushion they can get there yeah that's saying bills have a have a have a tough slate of games coming up but this is win number four within the division which is big they've obviously already beaten the Dolphins and the Patriots at this point uh, Patriots two and five I mean if it, it makes sense to sell I'll kind of believe it when I see it but uh, pro- probably makes sense especially if they are out on Stefan Gilmore after the season Trade Cam Newton to the Cowboys, you cowards. Oh, man. Oh, that'd be good. I will say this, though. Um, 
this was just like a random play that caught my eye that was sort of tucked into the middle of all this. But Brian Dable is so good. And um, he's going to be a head coach next year at this point. I I don't think that there's any um, argument about that. But the way that he is able to, he kind of took one of those old Patriots concepts and ran it down uh, New England's throat, which is like clearing three receivers out. And then you basically isolate, you know, uh, their version of Julian Edelman or Wes Welker, who is Cole Beasley, and getting him in a situation where you're just playing backyard football, you know, and you, you know, no defensive back can cover that if you're not running, you know, traditional sort of recognizable pattern. And these little things just set Josh Allen up for so much success, you know, um, and I, I he's, he's done such a good job of like, so many New England offensive coordinators have gone other places and and called their own crappy offense, but this is sort of the distillation of the best stuff that he kind of learned while he was there. I think. All right, well, let's uh, let's go down to that was really good, by the way, Connor. I'm sorry to move on from that so abruptly, <laughs> but uh, we we do have to get to the other side of the AFC East here, and this is uh, Dolphins Rams, and we were all so hyped up for Tua's debut and. Uh, all of a sudden, the Dolphins get four takeaways. They get a punt return uh, touchdown all in the first half. Jalen Ramsey is out, and this game was just not competitive. And Tua didn't really, you know, we'll get into how he looked, but he didn't really have to do a whole lot because the Dolphins just just won this game early. Yeah, that's what, you know, everybody after the game was freaking out, and they were like, oh, he had such a bad stat line. But it's like if you're... Um if you're Brian Flores or Chan Gailey and you have all these packages of Tua plays that you're going to run, why would you unveil any of it? You're up by 21 points, you know? You just let him run the ball and, you know, you call a few run plays and then if you need to move the ball, you run like some quick slant RPOs or something like that and, you know, call it a day. I mean, there was no reason for any creativity at this point. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, I mean, look, he, he was, he, you know, he made a couple of accurate throws. I, 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 I'm with you. I thought he was fine. I thought you really didn't get a read one way or another. If, if you if you love Tua, you can still love Tua. If you are skeptical about Tua, you can uh, go ahead and be that at this point. But uh, he was accurate. The, the one thing that I think a lot of people overlook when it comes to making that transition from the college game to the NFL is the pocket is so much more condensed and claustrophobic and it's so much more frantic uh and you sort of saw it on that very first drop back that that he took where uh his movements were in were in no way subtle he was just sort of uh completely haphazard the way he was moving within the pocket and then Aaron Donald punched the ball out and Michael Brockers uh you know pancakes you and that's the way it goes in the NFL and in the college game you just get much more wide open uh, sort of, you know, breathable uh, pockets to play from because of the way the space works uh, at that level. And that's not where you're going to the NFL. And everyone has to adjust to it. And we'll see how Tua adjusts as a uh, as a as a smallish quarterback. Yeah, the yeah, I mean the the fumble was a was a bad play, plain and simple. I think that um, otherwise. You know, he had two really egregious misses on short throws, but those were, I mean, clear either miscommunications or if you're Tua, you know, the Rams are waiting for those, right? Those are like, you know, drive establishing throws to get your quarterback in rhythm. And they were ready, um, you know, and kind of pounced on some of those short bubble screen type throws. And so he just kind of threw it away. But, um, you know, the two or three times that he needed intense sort of mid-range accuracy, he flashed that. I mean, he nailed that uh, quick slant 
an RPO. He he threw the mm-hmm. he threw the touchdown exactly where it needed to be. Um, so I think all in all, it's fine. You know, he did try to challenge them a little bit. He pushed the ball deep twice. Um, but what impressed me, I think, was that he did not over. Um, he did not lean too much on his his mobility at this point. You know, we've seen so yeah. many rookie quarterbacks that just bail every two seconds. I mean, Josh Allen was like that his rookie year, um, but he is already kind of a guy that's like, okay, no, I I know I can do the most damage in here in the pocket, and so I I think he was doing all right. I think all right is the uh, that's uh that's the buzzword that that that, that sums it up nicely. It's fine. Uh, Vikings-Packers, this was one of the big upsets of the day, uh, especially considering what the Packers did to the Vikings in, in, in the season opener in Minnesota. But uh, this was, I mean, this was almost like the football gods kind of uh, making amends with Mike Zimmer. You just give him a game where the wind is is just out of hand to the point where you don't really even have the option of of throwing the ball very often with Kirk Cousins at this point. So Mike Zimmer just gets to watch his team run the ball, uh, you know, 80% of the time and they end up they end up uh, running away with this one. Dalvin Cook and you know whatever everyone rightly makes the criticism of you know oh you can't pay your running back and obviously the Vikings have all sorts of cap problems at this point and is this where you want to invest the money etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you are going to pay your running back you want a few games where he takes over and Dalvin Cook I mean I thought this was as impressive a game as as I can remember from from a running back because it wasn't just the huge numbers on a huge volume of touches uh they were he was creating stuff that just wasn't there he was creating stuff that you wouldn't get if it wasn't Dalvin Cook with the ball in his hands and and uh, you know for that uh uh I give him a a a a hearty thumbs up yeah, he just gashed the Packers, especially on the right side there. But it wasn't it wasn't outside the tackle stuff. I mean, this was through the middle, breaking tackles, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and creating runs, which I thought was impressive. But my favorite stat of the day is guess how many passes of, of 10 yards or more Kirk Cousins attempted on Sunday? Oh, gosh. It, it must have been zero. Zero. That's so good. I loved it. And yep. if you compare that to, like, they scheme some stuff up. Like, you know, um, I like Next Gen Stats has the average receiver separation per snap. Kyle Rudolph per snap had almost seven yards of separation. Adam Thielen <laughs> had four yards of separation. And the league average is two, like 2.8, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so these guys were open, and he's just like, nope, let's run it again, baby. I loved it. Like, it was, you know, that's that's the one game a year they let Grandpa call the offense. and uh, And good for him. He got a win out of it. No, it was a uh, it, it was a nice victory for the Vikings. I don't think you read too much into it for the Packers. Again, just just weird conditions, uh, and like I said, division rival. They know you well, uh, and and those games tend to be closer than uh, than you might think they they are going to be. But um, one division rivalry game that wasn't really close. That was Seahawks 49ers. and you know last Sunday night. I don't know. I I was I don't want to say wringing my hands, but I was. Uh, I was eager to see the Seahawks again because they had such protection issues against the Blitz in that loss to the Cardinals, uh, and I, I think it did manifest itself in, in in Russell making some very un-Russell-like mistakes down the stretch in that game. 
And you kind of wondered, okay, can the 49ers build off that? Uh, is this going to be uh, something of a, a, a blueprint overstating it, but something a, a, of a of an effective new approach to taking on the Seahawks offense? And uh, it, it was not. They they had their protection issues sorted out. The 49ers maybe didn't um, mix in the blitz as much as you would have thought after last week. But, uh, I mean, look, the Seahawks, they, they looked like the Seahawks again. And the 49ers had no answer for DK Metcalf. And uh, this game sort of played out the way you thought it would have played out if you said in August, okay, there's going to be no Nick Bosa, no D Ford, uh, no Richard Sherman, uh, and 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 you know the Seahawks are, are going to be uh, throwing the ball more than ever on on early downs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I just think they're just still such a totally. Well, not a complete team, but a complete offense. I mean, just a team that's going to be able to beat you in enough ways that I I, I don't see another team kind of coming from behind and catching them here. And the way that they've established DK Metcalf is just, he's phenomenal. I mean, to the point where you, you, you're starting to wonder like how this guy lingered as, as much as he did in the draft to the third round, you know, I mean, he's just uncoverable. Um, and, um, when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, that obviously makes things a lot easier too. The only thing you say, and I'm surprised we haven't seen this leak more is is medicals i mean he had medical stuff uh coming out of college and maybe that caused teams to to back off but it is it is tough to wrap your head around at this point that this many teams passed on him uh by the way jimmy garoppolo ends up uh, getting hurt in this one struggled again just just another really uneven game uh from the 49ers offense so garoppolo ends up sitting nick mullins sort of looked good in in relief duty i don't know what that means going forward we'll see uh what garoppolo's status is and uh george kittle left this one with an injury too so uh a rough week for a 49ers team that looked like it was maybe building some momentum here toward the second half of the season uh raiders go to cleveland and look they 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 want to you know uh, josh jacobs is the centerpiece of this offense and they haven't quite gotten them going like they wanted to so far this year but he gets his first 100 yard game of the year uh goes 31 carries 128 yards in the ice and mud and slush of this game uh vegas as a team went for 208 but this was a uh this was the raiders kind of winning a game the way that they wanted to win games yeah poor josh jacobs man i mean he's getting this four yards at a time i mean there is not a lot of beauty here and the Browns had eight plus defenders in the box on over half of um, Las Vegas's offensive snaps mm. so he earned every single one um, of those yards and you know if you're you know I feel bad if you're Josh Jacobs you know are you envisioning much of a life beyond you know your rookie contract at this point if John <laughs> Gruden keeps treating you this way probably not but um, at the same time it, it was it was an interesting game because both teams I think needed this to catapult them into the second half of their year. We've talked about how friendly the Brown schedule is coming up, but this was a win they kind of needed to jumpstart them in there. Whereas if you're Vegas, you keep kind of just you you're you're starting to beat good teams, you know, or at least yeah. mid range teams. You have some signature wins finally at this point, and I think you're building a little something, and you're. Um, you're changing the narrative on Derek Carr a little bit week in and week out. You know, he's not going to come in here and, you know, light up the scoreboard every week, but I think he's showing a lot more toughness and strength than he has in years past. And and it's good. I think Gruden has typically stripped that from a lot of quarterbacks in the past, but he seems to be at least, you know, helping in some way to accentuate uh, the best of what Carr does. 
Yeah, and look, Raiders, uh, next five games, they get Chargers, Broncos, Falcons, Jets in there. They also play the Chiefs. They already beat the Chiefs this year, so pretty much chalk that one up as a win. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, their schedule gets a little bit softer too here. And look, they are uh, they are in position to certainly grab a, a wild card spot at this point. If uh, Probably not quite challenge the Chiefs for the uh, division title, but that's okay. That's, that's for down the line. That's for year nine of John Gruden's 10-year contract. Yes. <laughs> Let's uh, let's go. The biggest upset of the day. This was uh, the Bengals beat the Titans in Cincinnati, and and Joe Burrow does it with. Uh, we, we've talked about how bad this Bengals offensive line has been this year. Four starters were out for this one, so you had like a new crop of offensive linemen. And Joe Burrow gave a lot of credit to uh, uh, Billy Price, the former uh, first round pick, who's been, uh, I think, disappointment is uh, kind of an understatement there with what he's done this year. But uh, he credited Billy Price with kind of getting all these new guys sorted out and lined up correctly and getting the calls uh, set up. And uh, it wasn't good. It still took a lot of Joe Burrow sort of, you know, maneuvering and 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 his craftiness to sort of avoid disaster a couple times. But uh, he I, I don't think they were credited with a single quarterback hit in this game uh, for the Titans, which says something about what the Bengals did also kind of says something about what this Bengal or excuse me, what this Titans defense is right now. Yeah, and it was so weird because, you know, if you look at the Burroughs splits and breakdowns, it, 21, I think, of his 37 attempts are basically to the same spot on the right side in terms of distance. Like, they're clearly picking on certain defenders, and Burroughs clearly more comfortable throwing to one side of the field. And, like, this is stuff that the defense can make adjustments on, but um, they didn't, uh, it seems like. Uh, and to your point, I mean, just nothing from Beasley or Clowney. And it really, they haven't gotten much from them over the last few weeks either yeah yeah and uh other side of the ball Tannehill kind of looked like kind of looked like the Miami version of Tannehill in this one this was uh I thought his uh, he had some rocky performances last January where they sort of took the ball out of his hands but I thought this was the most disappointing performance I've seen him have uh since becoming the Titans starter here and and part of it was was you know he just had an off day and part of it was William Jackson who you know doesn't get a ton of credit uh, or doesn't get a ton of attention playing in Cincinnati there, William Jackson took A.J. Brown out of this game until, you know, midway through the third quarter when the Bengals were already up two possessions. It's a Corey Davis world now. That's what we're living in. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I I think it, uh, you know, Miami Tannehill is, uh, is not good, you know. And it stinks to see this team kind of come back to earth a little bit because they're just so much fun to watch, you know. But if they become mediocre, then, man, the, the division is just full of blah, you know. And the, tit- yeah. the Titans were fun. They were decidedly unblah for a, for a while. It's and and it's a two-team race there in the AFC South, and the other team is the Colts, and the Colts go to Detroit and get a win. And and look, this is yes, it it's it's blah. Their brand of football is uh you know it's it's a conservative offense. They don't want Philip Rivers taking a lot of chances for for obvious reasons. They want him managing the game. Uh, they do it with offense. They they, they do it with a, a defense that can dominate. They dominated the clock in this one. They didn't make mistakes, and and they end up uh, uh with. And I know you had a closer eye on this one than I did, Connor. But uh, you know, this was this was a little tighter than the than the final score indicated, which was forty one twenty one. It was, but my big question coming out of this game, and maybe you know, maybe I've just been over eager to ask this question for a while. But like, if you're Matt Patricia, what do you do well? 
Like, what did you bring to the table? Uh, if you're the owner of the Lions and you look down on the field and say, that's why I hired Matt Patricia, there's nothing that you can say. The team isn't disciplined. Uh, you know, they there is no generation of a pass rush. I think the Colts had, let me check my notes here. Um, three of their four top receivers had three and a half yards of separation per route. Right, which is a yard over league average. So, and you're giving this to Philip Rivers. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like a rookie quarterback or something like that. He's going to pick you apart in situations like this. So, I, I just think you know, as much as we all kind of try to try to trick ourselves into the Lions coming back and making it interesting, say, oh yeah, maybe this time. I, this is just a middling team, and they're just they're just uninteresting and and bland. You know, I, I don't see what they're doing well. Yeah, I mean, it's a middling team with, with a great quarterback. Kenny Galladay goes down in this one, which is a shame because that, that's such a good connection with Galladay and Stafford. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it sort of emphasizes your point in the Patricia thing. You would say when you're bringing him in, okay, well, now we don't have to, you know, we don't have to be in the market for, uh, you know, these, these uh, you know, $20 million a year edge guys. We're going to generate our pass rush. We're going to scheme up our pass rush. That hasn't happened. And on the back end, I mean, look, they, they had Darius Slay. They had Quandre Diggs. Uh, for whatever reason, they didn't work out, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, let's call it buying into the system type of thing. So they move on from those guys. But the guys replacing them aren't good enough. And that's that's the problem right now is, uh, you know, if you had this lack of a pass rush with, say, the Patriots secondary, you would probably still be pretty good uh when you're trying to do this with guys who aren't good enough that's a problem and the fact that the guys who maybe were good enough uh, kind of got pushed out because you know they, they didn't want to adhere to your system uh and and we can you know there's a debate as to as to how far a player should come in the coach's direction but uh it didn't work out and now you just have guys who aren't good enough playing a, a scheme that isn't good enough right now bring back jim caldwell bring him back it's not too late. It's never too <laughs> late to bring back Jim Caldwell. Get him at the trade deadline. <laughs> Bron- Broncos Chargers. And uh, this was, we'll, we'll get a little bit optimistic in this one. Drew Locke shows some signs of life. Uh, just has a, a a brutal first half. And I don't know, I, I was, look, I, I was ready to write him off at halftime. Uh, this was, it's just going in the wrong direction for him. Now, I don't want to overstate what he did in the fourth quarter. He it was still very uneven. You know, he he missed Noah Fant on a on a wide open uh, throw on that final drive. It, it was sort of it, it very much felt like just sort of scratching and clawing and scraping to to get that final touchdown there. And obviously they they get the big uh, boost from the defensive pass interference, which was unnecessary. But uh, it was pass interference, so I'm okay with that flag being thrown. But Drew Locke just gets it done, and you wonder if you can kind of... I mean, he's got half a season now to basically establish himself as the guy in Denver, or, you know, the Broncos have to go find someone else at this point. Yeah, I mean, I've liked him in spurts throughout this thing, and I think if Denver, if you're winning enough games where you're going to put yourself out of the range of drafting a successor, then he's going to be fine. You know, I think he's a guy that you could have for another year, and you'd be okay with that, um, and and see if he makes the big leap or not. Um, but yeah, I, he's fine. You know, I think I think he's okay, and 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 over the last few years, that has been good enough to get teams to the Super Bowl. I mean, Jared Goff was okay. Jer- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was just okay. And I think that Drew Locke can get to that level. I don't think he's he's too far off of that. 
we'll we'll see. I mean, if they have a shot at a Justin Fields or or a Trey Lance, then uh, then things get interesting mm-hmm. here for for Denver. But uh, look, half season. I mean, the guy doesn't have a huge uh, you know sample size at this point anyway. But half a season. Sorry, there's a huge bug in my basement. Hang on one second. I'm going to narrate this. We're going to keep this in the podcast. I'm watching Gary. Now he's disappeared from view. Behind me, uh, let's see. This looks like Gary's basement. There's categories. Sorry, Monopoly. He's He hasn't turned his clocks back yet, uh, which is something that uh, has bothered me throughout the podcast today. But, uh, yeah. We can keep part of that in. I narrated uh, about five minutes of you looking for that bug. So if you want, I I was just sort of like giving a little play-by-play. That's going to – he got away. And now, oh. now it's going to be freaking me out the rest of the day. It's one of those giant millipede things, like the, the like antennas, like the giant antenna. They're good. You want them around. You don't want to kill yeah. those because if you oh. see a millipede – uh, or a centipede that means that there is nothing they, they're the apex predator of the insect kingdom they're taking care of everybody else so and and they don't bite you know i don't think they do anything bad to you they just feed off of all the other bugs in the ecosystem so they're just uh they're scary looking they are scary looking but having lived in a uh, an apartment that i don't think could legally be called an apartment um after college for like four years that had a massive centipede infestation um yeah they're they're okay they're good uh they're good house guests they don't eat the food they don't get into the cabinets uh they crawl out sometimes when you have guests over which you know you just kind of have to explain to everybody that they're it's just part of the landscape you know but it's good i, I think that's a healthy thing to have in your house all right He's in the he's in all like baby stuff that that also bothers me like mm. I I feel like it's personal now like you're going after my child. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well we got uh we got Chiefs Jets to talk about. All right, good. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> there's not a whole lot. I think lot a lot of people about, would rather though. talk more about the millipede. To be honest, <laughs> it was it was fairly predictable. I, I mean, look the the. I guess the two things everyone was uh, Le- Le'Veon Bell revenge game. Le- it's not a revenge. I mean, Le'Veon Bell got a got a huge contract from the Jets that no one else was going to give him at that point, and then they released him so that he could go sign with the with the Super Bowl champions. I, I don't know what kind of revenge he wants on the Jets at this point. It seems like they 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 kind of you know, except for an unpleasant year and a half, seems like things worked out pretty well for him. Thanks to thanks to the jets but uh yeah this was uh, mahomes just decided he'd throw a bunch of touchdowns five touchdowns four of them uh from 25 plus yards and uh yeah the chiefs outclassed the uh the jets in this one surprising no one i uh before the game i watched the uh, uh by the way just the lineup that i got on sunday was so god awful and we had freaking raven Steelers, and you know i have a way to watch the games and you know i can get all the other games and so i watch them on my laptop but like on my nice tv that i enjoy watching football on it was like it was jets chiefs and and Mm -hmm. so i had the game on but before the game you get the adam gase show right and so he does an hour of analysis before every game (laughs) which is amazing um and I love like he's turning out to be just like my favorite like he's like checked out uh Ryan from the office like just like you know they're interviewing him about all these Chiefs players and he's just like yeah I mean it's going to be really hard to stop 
And he just knows how bad his team is, and it's just so funny. Uh, I've never seen anybody want to be fired so badly, and they just won't do it. Like, I don't know why they just won't let Adam Gase go. Oh, man. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I get the uh, I, I get I get the uh, uh, New England affiliate too, so I get I, I get both of those, and I usually put on the New England affiliate because again, you know, not not a whole lot of reason to watch the Jets. So I forgot about the days of that Jets pregame show when I lived in the city, and uh, that's uh, that's what you but get. But I don't on remember, like you know, I used to cover the Jets. There was no Rex Ryan. Sh- there wasn't a Rex Ryan show. I don't think there was. There, there was there was a show, and I can't remember whatever. It was like the the Jets flight report or something like that that used to be on for at least a half hour before you'd get you know the the uh, uh it wasn't james brown at that point but you know the the uh i guess that was gumble uh the cbs pregame show so huh yeah i just don't remember like i mean when i was the beat reporter for them it was rex ryan and i i figured if it, there was a rex ryan show i would have to watch it and i don't think i did um, there's certainly, I don't remember uh, them lighting the world on fire with a Todd Bowles show, but, um, yeah, the Adam Gay show is like my new favorite show. It's like a dystopian, unintentional comedy. It's so good. <laughs> that is a fantastic mockumentary. All right, Connor, that's a, uh, that's a wrap for this week. Uh, you've got, yeah, you're gonna have trade deadline stuff. Gonna be, I mean, look, the weak side pack podcast is always good stuff, but uh, now it's especially good because there's gonna be like breaking news you can touch on. Listen, the weak side podcast is gonna be up on Wednesday morning uh, or Tuesday morning. The trade deadline grades are already up on si.com. You know, we we give you guys a lot of good stuff for free, so quit complaining and start you know sending us stuff. Just mm-hmm. kidding. No, you can send money. It's all right. <laughs> We can call for it. <laughs> give us give us money. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. And Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weak Side podcast featuring Connor and Jenny Brentis and the Albert Breer Show, which uh, Albert Breer is usually on. They're all free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, please leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.